Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new legal developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the legal considerations and processes involved when parents challenge the materials used in your Missouri public school district. Given the intense political discussion lately regarding CRT, critical race theory, and related materials being used in Missouri public schools, it is appropriate to discuss how school leaders should respond uh, to challenges uh, to materials that are being used in the classroom. As many of you know, parents and patrons around the state have been participating in meetings organized by state legislators and attending school board meetings to raise issues surrounding critical race theory. Um, A Joint Committee on Education held its hearing regarding CRT earlier this week, highlighting questions about curriculum and instructional materials. Uh, It's noteworthy that there was really not too much of a distinction between the discussion about curriculum, which is distinct from just the instructional materials that might be used in the classroom. We may get into that a little bit as we have this discussion. But with all of this activity, school leaders need to be prepared to deal with complaints and challenges to instructional materials in light of the legal and political landscape. So let's begin with the legal landscape. Um, Starting with the basics, um, the local school board has the responsibility legally to establish the curriculum and for purchasing instructional materials. Uh, to be used in in that particular district. Although the board approves curriculum, instructional materials to teach um, that particular curriculum are not usually approved by the board itself. Boards typically direct professional staff members to select books and other materials. Um, In doing so, teachers and administrators generally have the right to select materials in accordance with current trends in education and establish curriculum. Now, in the joint committee hearing discussion this week, there were a number of questions surrounding who had the authority to determine the curriculum and the materials that would be used in Missouri's public schools. Legislators made inquiries of DESE, and they asked questions about DESE's authority and whether decisions about curriculum or instructional materials were a local decision. Legislators seemed to be raising the possibility of enacting uh, legislation that would regulate the content of some materials used in Missouri's public schools, a significant departure from the principle that local school boards are in the best position to decide such matters. Furthermore, in raising this possibility, they are challenging the capacity of professional educators to select appropriate materials from a pedagogical perspective. So at this hearing, only witnesses were invited by the committee leadership were permitted to testify. No other individuals were allowed to come forward and provide testimony. The witnesses were invited that were invited included parents who related stories regarding their experiences dealing with race-related materials and instruction provided in a few select Missouri public schools. Now, these parents provided stories regarding how districts allegedly responded to them when they complained about instructional materials being used with their children. And the witnesses emphasized, as did the chair of the committee, that the schools did not address the concerns of the parents appropriately. So 
today is probably a good time to discuss our processes as we begin the school year. If somebody does try to challenge the instructional materials that we're using in our school. You know, one legal aspect that we uh, that was not discussed as a part of the uh, <laughs> committee hearings was the First Amendment rights of students to have access to information. That seemed to be totally omitted from any level of discussion that I heard, at least. Um, you know, and so it's worth talking a little bit about how courts view that particular issue. And while courts usually defer to schools, a board's curricular discretion, either to require particular content or to censor it, has its limits under the First Amendment. And I'll give you a couple examples, or at least one example. Um, you know, courts have held that curriculum decisions must be rationally related to a legitimate governmental or pedagogical interest. One particular case that comes to mind, and I thought about this as we were listening to the CRT hearing uh, earlier this week, uh, is one involving the Arizona legislature. Um, and they passed a statute that required the Tucson School District to eliminate a program of Mexican-American studies. And one of the reasons that was cited uh, in the legislative hearing considering the legislation was that students were being indoctrinated and that one of the texts cited some of the teachings of Marx, Lenin, et cetera. Um, and a federal court struck that Arizona law down and stated that it was in violation of both the First and 14th Amendments. So it's important to remember that courts have held that under the First Amendment, academic content cannot be banned simply because it's controversial. Courts have held that students have certain legal rights to receive information, even if it is controversial in nature. So in light of the foregoing, as we prepare to launch into the 21-22 school year, it's important for school leaders and school boards to be thinking about what they can and should be doing with respect to the instructional materials they will be using in their school this year. So I've, I've got a little bit of a roadmap here for, for you. I'm going to list out eight items that we're going to talk through a little bit. But just to give you the highlights, here are a few items that I think our listeners may want to think about in the near term. First, school boards need to make sure that they're comfortable with the curriculum they have approved. Um, second, school leaders need to ensure that they have vetted any materials that may prove to be controversial in the today's climate. Third, school leaders need to make sure that staff members have a clear understanding of what needs to be approved by building leadership and what does not need to be approved by building leadership. Fourth, teachers need to keep clear documentation as to any materials that they do use in the classroom. Fifth, be prepared to respond to detailed requests for materials. Sixth, be prepared for public commentary at your board meeting. Seven, know and be prepared to utilize your process for complaints about instructional materials. And then finally, I would say, remember that students have a First Amendment right to access information and materials unless there's a legitimate pedagogical reason for excluding it. Now, I wanna elaborate a bit on a few of these items because there are, it warrants some level of discussion, I believe. 
the first item I listed was school boards need to make sure they're comfortable with selection of instructional materials they have approved. You know, school boards are the ones legally responsible for approving, approving curriculum. Um, now, many school boards defer to the professionals, um, but should articulate standards and expectations. And most boards have done that through their board policies, but board members should really take the time to understand and become familiar with the standards that they've articulated. Um, many times the standards are very broad sweeping standards. Um, like, you know, just to give you an example, the materials will support the educational curriculum and the goals of the district or, or perhaps something like accuracy, clarity, level of academic challenge, multicultural content, and gender fair presentation will be among the criteria of selection of materials. I would really encourage individual board members to ensure that they have articulated what they expect, and if changes need to be made, we'll make them but uh, articulate to your staff what the expectations are from you as the governing body that's been elected by the local people to make such decisions. Second item, and this is probably even more critical in my mind, school leaders need to ensure that they've vetted any materials that may prove to be controversial in today's climate. You know, we sometimes have legal issues developed when a teacher uses uh, instructional materials that haven't been properly vetted by the administration. Uh, more and more each year, it seems like, uh, that teachers are encouraged to bring current outside resources into the classroom. That's a healthy thing in my estimation. This allows teachers to better reach today's students and allows teachers to be more creative in how they cover the um, uh, matters that are in the curriculum. But unfortunately, this can lead to the use of materials by teachers that are controversial or perhaps they didn't even realize they were controversial and they can cause a huge dust up with parents. So it is really critical for school leaders to vet those materials, both uh, to protect the district, but also protects your teachers because it gives you an opportunity to take a look at what they're putting out there. All right, third, school leaders need to make sure that staff members have clear understanding of what needs to be approved and what does not need to be approved. Um, school leaders just need to talk to teachers now at the beginning of the school year and lay out for them, uh, you know, what the expectations are for approval of materials that they're going to bring in. Um, give them parameters on what you need to see in advance and um, what you don't need to see in advance. Uh, let's face it, uh, the capacity of building leaders to review every single thing that gets put in front of kids is probably not there. Uh, so we need to probably give our teachers some parameters uh, that give them guidance on, okay, what things really do need to be queued up for approval from the board leader, uh, from the building leaders, and what things really aren't necessary. Fourth, teachers do need to keep clear documentation on any materials that they use. Um, this is one that comes back to bite us a lot in this type of situation. Um, a lot of times when teachers use outside materials in the classroom, um, there are opportunities to take what is used or what is said about the materials being used and have it distorted by the student, or perhaps it's lost in translation when it's reported by the student to the parent. Um, so it's really important that the documentation be there showing exactly what was used. 
And this documentation isn't always as simple as it sounds. For example, a teacher may show something online during a classroom discussion. And uh, teachers just need to have a clear record of what they've shown and, or used in the uh, event the materials end up being challenged by a parent or an issue is raised. Fifth, and this is one we've had to deal with a significant amount lately, and that is be prepared to respond to detailed requests for materials. Um, schools just need to be prepared to uh, respond to sunshine law requests or perhaps parent uh, requests that aren't framed as a sunshine law request for instructional materials. Um, you know, for example, we've had a number of schools that received detailed requests for specific instructional materials that had been used. Um, now, I'm not necessarily referring to the, the types of requests that all school districts received asking generally for records relating to CRT or the 1619 project or other types of records. But we have had districts uh, that have received detailed requests for all lesson plans and any materials used electronic or paper in any class taught by specific teachers, for example. And we've also had people request through a Sunshine Law request any materials that referred to or sourced information from a particular website. So you can see that there those kinds of records are being asked for. Teachers need to be prepared to produce this documentation showing what they use with the kids, students and it's likely to lead to additional or this is likely to lead to additional disputes with the person or entity that's making the request for the records. Unless the materials are tied to a specific student, most everything requested is going to be an open record under the Sunshine Law and something that we're likely going to need to produce. Sixth, be prepared for public commentary at your board meeting. Uh, many districts have experienced this, unfortunately, but if you haven't, uh, you probably need to be prepared for people to show up at your board meeting raising issues with instructional materials or perhaps media materials used in your in your district. Often the issues being raised surround CRT or perhaps 1619 project or perhaps reference to other social justice uh, sites like learningforjustice.org, etc. Careful management of your public comment period is critical as these groups tend to be vocal, uh, at times unruly, and it is not uncommon for them to personally attack board members or employees of the district as they're speaking before the board or speaking out of turn at a public board meeting. So think through how you're going to respond to these tactics and make sure your board members and your board president in particular are prepare, prepared to deal with that kind of approach. Seventh, Know and be prepared to utilize your process for complaints about instructional materials. Everyone has a process under their procedures for dealing with complaints. Some districts have very specific procedures for dealing with challenges to instructional materials. So know the procedures and be prepared to walk through those steps if somebody raises an issue regarding your instructional materials. Typically that will involve actually pulling the materials out of use for a period of time while it's studied by a committee to determine whether or not it's appropriate. Uh, but just know your procedures and be prepared to follow. Them. Finally, remember that students do have a First Amendment right to access information and materials unless there is a legitimate pedagogical reason for excluding it.
As you have materials challenged and a parent or student asks that the materials be excluded from your school, just remember there's a flip side to that argument. Under the First Amendment, academic content cannot be banned simply because it's controversial. If you do appease the parent by excluding the materials, you may also create a First Amendment issue for that may be raised by another student or parent. Well, there you have it in a nutshell. Challenges to instructional materials, CRT and beyond. Hopefully I've given you some food for thought and some insights as to some of the issues that may be presented to you as a school board member or school leader uh, at the beginning of this 2021-22 school year. And I want to thank you for taking the time today to listen to Ed Council Insights. We hope you'll follow and share our Ed Council podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can check us out at our website. Just Google Ed Council. That's E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, one word, and you'll find us there. Glad we could be together, and thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights. Thank you.